On Living a Sex Positive Life, we explore all aspects of human sexuality. We talk about the good and the bad, the health and healing benefits, the adventures and the relationships, as well as the crimes and the tragedies. We strive to be an advocate and an empowering force in the fight for sexual freedom. Our mission is to educate, entertain, and talk about the touchy subject that affects us all, sex. Now here's your host, Angelique Luna. Good evening, everyone. It's Angelique Luna here, and I'm with my partner in crime, troublemaker, um, surviving the holidays with my family as they remodel our bathrooms, uh, husband, Jancy Luna. I'm surviving. <laughs> yes, we are surviving, and that's why we're so excited to have Kathy Slaughter. Kathy Slaughter is a lifelong student, currently pursues the craft of psychotherapy, where she specializes in human sexuality, relationships, and trauma at her private practice in Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. I can imagine how cold it is right now. <laughs> her, oh, it's her, about 20. Oh, freezing. Oh my god, that that's so cold. And here we're like eighty degrees. It's like, oh, it's so nice. No, no, no. It, it, it actually, it, I think it hit sixty. We turned on the fireplace just because I I got a clean that haven't had to, a, a use for it in the last five years. So we're like, hey, we're gonna make a fire. Sixty degrees. Let's celebrate. Definitely. Oh, see, I always get sidetracked, especially here. Okay. Her passion for personal growth and self development is matched only by her interest in teaching others. Through one-on-one-to-one interactions, workshops, or events, Kathy thrives on compassionate conversations that lead others to new realizations about their own lives. As your therapist or as your friend, she also enjoys outdoor art festivals, practicing yoga, weightlifting, and knitting. Welcome to the show, Kathy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me, Angelique. (sighs) Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially right now in the holidays. It's like, how do we deal with the holiday madness? <laughs> right, when everything's coming at you at once and there's never enough time until the five things you have to have done tomorrow are finished. Yes, exactly. Or they were actually put back on the yesterday's five things to do. Now it's another like 20 things you need to catch up to do. Right. And by the way, seven of them are now crises. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because my vacation from my other job started Friday and I haven't rested yet and I'm not sure when I'm going to rest. And I just realized shopping days wise, we're down to like two. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely at do or die time. <laughs> it does sneak up on you. Oh, absolutely. So during the holidays, is your practice busy with people trying to deal with the holiday stress or? No, that bump comes right after the holidays are over. Oh, really? This time of year, I tend to have a lot more last-minute cancellations <laughs> because family is suddenly in town. Or you realize you now have seven crises on your hands and therapy is just not going to happen. <laughs> so this, this, the last couple of weeks of the year are always really lightweight. And then the first couple of weeks of the year, the phone starts ringing. You know, it's the same way at the gym. Last couple of weeks of the year are nice and empty. After New Year's, they get real crowded. Mm-hmm. Oh, but no, no, I can understand that. Um, I actually just had my physical, and my my doctor's looking. She's like, your blood pressure's up, your cholesterol's up. I said, oh, spending a lot more time with family. So <laughs> It is very true. It's like, 
I had to make sure today I went to my yoga class. I'm like, no, I'm not dealing with my parents while they remodel our bathroom. I'm just like, no. Yes. <laughs> so we had designated survivor John. <laughs> wow. I can't imagine dealing with your parents and a remodeling job and the holidays all at the same time. I think my blood pressure is picking up just a little bit thinking about it. Oh, yeah. And they're old school Mexican, just to let you know. They're from the old country. Oh, boy. So, yeah. Oh, man. There you go. The cultural difference in there, too. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell us that a little bit about... That real comfortable. So tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your practice and what you do. All right. I am a licensed clinical social worker. Um, so my background is a master's in social work, which means I look at people in their context more than I worry about their medical diagnosis just to throw in a little education about what makes a social worker a social worker. And I've been in private practice for over five years now. About a third of my caseload is um, individuals who are transgender or suspect they're transgender and are interested in transitioning or in the process of transitioning. About a third of my caseload is sex positive people pursuing relationships of all types and sizes, looking for guidance and the remainder of my population is my original specialty, which is trauma and PTSD. So those are the main three main threads I work with these days. Wow. So just reiterate again, it went quick. What did you say is the difference between a social worker and a therapist? I am mostly trained to look at the person in their context or in their environment. Um, where someone who has got a more psychological training is looking more at their coping mechanisms, their internal workings um, to arrive at a diagnosis. Gotcha. So when working with um, people considering or in uh, dealing with transgender and or even open relationships as such, alternative relationships, it's really them and their, their situation, how it works and kind of affects their life in that sort right, of way? Right, right. Yeah, I'm looking at what's in their neighborhood, like what's their context? Do they have the right amount of support they need? Do they have people they can turn to do their um is their work environment positive or is it draining them like i'm looking at the overall picture of who is this person in their environment which connections are working which connections aren't how is that playing into their internal distress or by increasing it or decreasing it and then from there i figure out where i want to start tweaking um in terms of the work i'm doing with them because sometimes it isn't jump into the internal deep introspective stuff sometimes it's just like hey, buddy, like, let's figure out what a hobby is that you might enjoy so you have something to live for and look forward to because you hate your job, but you can't afford to quit. <laughs> so <laughs> let's figure out something that used to give you pleasure. Um, all human beings need pleasure as part of our life. So if someone's lacking that, like, depression isn't a terribly big surprise, you know? No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's so downplayed and almost even... Made, made to feel guilty at times of seeking pleasure, seeking fun. Mm -hmm. And right. it, it's like I said, it definitely leads to to depression. I mean, try giving up sex long enough. Damn, that gets me depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's why they always say, if you, you know, you have sex, you're happy, okay? And you live longer. What do they say? You have to have 21 uh, ejaculations per month to avoid prostate cancer? Come on. It's all science. That's a nice prescription. I don't think that's actually proven, but it's suggested. No, no, no. It is proven. proven. That's why. <laughs> that's a great study to conduct. <laughs> right. 
I'm sure they had no shortage of volunteers. <laughs> Especially this time of year. It's like, yes, I need to cheer myself up. <laughs> right? And masturbation is such a good stress relief. It is. Now, what tips or suggestions do you give some of your clients during the holiday season? Oh, man. It, one of my biggest ones is to actually pay attention to your physical body. Because sometimes we can get really caught up in our head because we've got that list of all the things that we need to get done and we're thinking about this, that, and the other and wrapping up all that, those loose ends. And, oh, my gosh, did I remember to call Aunt Betty and find out if she's bringing the lemon meringue? Like, all of those kinds of flotsam and jetsams can keep our brains really distracted from what's going on with us emotionally because it's just so much hectic overheating upstairs that you disconnect a little bit from your emotional self and from your physical self. However, you can use that brain to intentionally check in with what's going on with you physically and through that do a better job of taking care of yourself emotionally because the body will not lie. (laughs) Amen to that. Yeah, I just never thought about like telling people it's like pay attention to what your bodies are saying there. But I know it's like when you keep going, going, going for a short time, for a long time, actually, that you do get sick, your body shuts down. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. during that process, it does give you hints like, hey, slow down, pay attention. Right. Well, we're also all taught to to kind of put on the smile, especially uh, Mm -hmm. throughout the year and any type of family and group gathering, but especially during the holidays. And I'm thinking about the, uh, I won't say unique, but different issues you're facing having a transgender and alternate relationship. I know um, we have a couple, a friend of ours who recently came out um, as being mm. a swinger. And okay. um, it's an interracial couple. And it was tense enough to start off with that. Now they came out with this. So they're during the holidays if grandma's going to be quiet or get vocal this year. Um, right, absolutely. And just kind of, you know, there, there, there's that point of family where you just want things to go smoothly. But I think it's that, mm-hmm. that stress and, and then pushing it down and putting on a smile to try not to have something happen sometimes kind of makes right. it all worse. Yeah, absolutely can because emotions really are things that move. If we allow ourselves to acknowledge that they're happening and recognize the sensation we're having in our bodies, that tends to all by itself reduce how intense that emotion feels and allows it to move on through your body and out. Because when we tamp down on it and refuse to acknowledge it, when we resist feeling what we feel, um, that is what keeps that emotional turmoil on high. Um, As the um, acceptance and commitment therapy philosophy is, what we resist persists. So if you can allow yourself to feel angry or feel sad or feel afraid, it will actually diminish the emotional experience much more than trying to paste a smile on. That that is something that is is hard to do to 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 feel the anger without actually acting on it, because that, that <laughs> yes, <laughs> <it is. laughs> yes, that's like is. that mystery. I need I need to feel it. I need to process it. Don't break that chair. You know, <laughs> right, right. But this is where this is where we can go back to those body cues, like I mentioned earlier. There's a really um, fantastic way to know if you are hitting a point where you're flooding emotionally. Because if we're feeling any emotion at a certain level of intensity, on a chemical level, our brain is flooded. 
meaning our ability to think straight and rationally, like we normally do, is gone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care who you are. I don't care how much training you have, how much therapy you've gone through, how chill and down with yourself you believe yourself to be. If you're psychologically, emotionally flooded, your brain is offline and there's not anything you can do about it at that point. Except get yourself out of the situation before you do something foolish. And Um, that's why we always have the regret afterwards. Because, you know, it does make sense in the moment when you're angry. It's ten minutes later that it's, oh, shit. I shouldn't have done that. And there's no do-over there. so No, there's not. At that point, it's repair and apology. Um, So, yeah, if you're spending time with family, you know, you're sitting around the, the Christmas table and... You know, grandma starts going off about your sexual orientation and you feel your blood start to pick up like you're taking a nice brisk walk outside or you just got on the treadmill at the gym. That's time to dismiss yourself to the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> because that that heart rate, once it gets above about 108 beats per minute, that means you're flooding. So if you're sitting at the table and your heart rate's like low cardio intensity level, you're you are not in your right mind and you are it's just going to go downhill from there you see we so that, need that's... we need an app on our apple watch to tell us that a little, right? little, little blinking it's like it could, it could even just say bathroom time and be like <laughs> i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will say last year um i had a one of those hr fitbit heart rate monitor watches and i used this trick with that watch um when i was with my family and i wondered if I was as heated as I thought I was, and I looked down at my watch, and it was read like 112, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go see what Aunt Susan is up to in the kitchen. Talk to you later. <laughs> you know, and then give yourself some time to, to feel the feeling and calm down. It takes about 20 minutes for intense emotions to dissipate. Uh, and the you've got to distract yourself. Um in order for that to happen. You know, it's, and it's funny, I'm seeing, um, I I said after the holidays is when you see all all the, you know, the gym memberships and such, but maybe, maybe that should be Mm -hmm. a new, uh, uh, advertising strategy of just, you know, start the beginning of December, you know, the family's coming, you know, you're going to be in these situations, go someplace where you can beat a punching bag, hit, you know, hit something, get that anger out. So prepare for these moments. Yeah. This is when you're supposed to be going to the gym and yoga and do more physical activities more before you see the family, because then you could go to your happy place and it doesn't have to include alcohol. Right. But then that's time consuming. And my (laughs) task list is overwhelming me already. We've discussed this. When am I supposed to fit in yoga class? Ah, let's see how much bail money you have because (laughs) I'm seeing that throwdown with grandma and Aunt Susie happening right now because of your life choices. Right. (laughs) Well, one of the things that uh, I was looking at my schedule of stuff on uh, on a website and uh, the local dungeon over here who sponsors us um, was having a Christmas party on on Saturday uh, on the, the 20, 23rd which is Saturday mm-hmm. and Christmas Eve Sunday. And I thought, you know, it's busy. I'm not going to be able to go. And one of my friends is like, are you kidding me? This is what's going <laughs> to get me through the holidays. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
So it's good to go ahead and, and, and at least try to, I won't say get into Christmas mood, but plan on the stress that's going to come, get into it, and, and try to de-stress yourself ahead of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. As much as you can. And try to stick to your regular routines. You know, like, I don't know about you, but getting tired is like the worst thing ever for my ability to control my own emotions. Four hours of sleep for more than one night in a row. Not a good scene for yours, truly. My temper gets so short the next day. So, um, you know, if, if you're like me and it's like you need that seven, eight hours of sleep in order to be able to m- operate most effectively, excuse yourself from the party and go to bed. <laughs> you know, it's not a competition. <sighs> Preach it to the choir. Mexican Latina here with hot Mexican uh, temper. So, yeah. But we're, yeah. we're pretty good at prioritizing and getting sleep in. However, we are experiencing this with our 17-year-old daughter, who at this point, you know, mm. she's in that, I think I'm a mortal stage. And then of we course. have to tell her, you know, hey, you got to get up at 8 a.m. and go somewhere because we have obligations. And yeah, it's it's a work in progress, as all children are. Yeah, but that 17, 18-year-old unstoppableness that's a special charm all by itself (laughs) (laughs) what what, what did the band rush say we're only immortal for a limited time and (laughs) she's definitely right in that stage so yeah cool so uh, with people who are in relationships dating somebody who has trauma or past trauma as a survivor any suggestions to how to cope or deal or yeah with your partner's trauma yeah because i can imagine like during the holiday right now a lot of things are triggering left and right yeah and that was my that was my first thing is just as we were talking about being aware and preventative um with your own emotional distress be aware of your partners you know um try and and get them to start thinking about it and talking about it so you guys can plan for it together, you know? Because if your partner really can't handle Uncle Sal because, well, things happened back in the day, like, then you know to run interference and make sure that they don't have to interact with him any more than is absolutely necessary. If you don't know that going into it, you can't help. Um and sometimes survivors can't talk about what they've been through, and that's not an option. Um, but definitely just doing what you can to keep your own stress level as low as you can so that you're there for your partner is about the best thing you can do. I mean, would you suggest like certain code words or little slight gestures to say, hey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, my husband and I have actually had a code signal that we've used um, since the beginning of our relationship practically um, which is to take our index finger and the second finger and walk them up across each other's arms or shoulder um, like you know, like the sexy like finger walk uh-huh. gotcha. um, but that's our that's our initial like hey I'm ready to go and you are <laughs> and then if someone comes back by and does it a second time that's I'm we're going now <laughs> make your goodbyes <laughs> Nice, subtle, but powerful to say, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> right. And completely unmistakable, too, because we tried, you know, we tried the whole, like, make the eye contact, raise the eyebrows thing. But, like, that was so subtle, I'd get lost in conversation and completely miss it. 
<laughs> so it's physical contact is required, at least for me, to actually register those kinds of signals. But definitely, um, there's a reason that we have partners, you know, it's so that we have that kind of leverage when we need it. And it's very important to stand by your partner. Um, one of the things I, I have experienced is, uh, again, our daughter has had, uh, she's a survivor. And mm-hmm. again, it happened, what are we going on now, nine years ago? Yeah, nine years. Yeah. And family members, um, I mean, you understand, I mean, the people who are there and have gone through the therapy and, and are there every day understand it. But again, distant relatives don't. And mm-hmm. when you when you have a child or even a partner with that type of um, trauma, uh, well, one you won't get the, the sometimes the sympathy. Sometimes I'll even hear the right. well, it's it's been almost ten years. When are you just going to get over it? And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's mm-hmm. probably not you know there or um, you just don't quite get that that understanding that you're used to when you're in your core family as opposed to your extended or out with friends or out with party when when yeah. it's you know now go hug this aunt and you know or we'll say uncle in this case and that uncle happens to look like because he's dressed as santa pretty close to the abuser and she doesn't want to do it right. and right. try and explain to people look if you get offended it's your problem but here's where it's going with that i'm not blame you know you're not we're not blaming them but people need to try to have understanding. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's a little hard yeah. to find. Yes, it definitely is. And it's, for me, as a trauma specialist, heartbreaking. Because there's clear neurological evidence that going through a traumatic experience changes your brain structures. And in some ways, kind of permanently. It's, you know, and I don't say that to discourage anyone who's been through something traumatic. Like, you can obtain a lot of healing through really good therapy and spending time working on yourself and being willing to face the pain and anguish that, you know, is waiting for you. And yet, there are some certain ways that the brain has changed. You know, and over time, yes, brains can be rewired, thank goodness. Um, But certainly, 10 years on, yeah, there's still going to be some lingering scars that are going to impact how someone behaves. You know, especially when you're talking about a teenager that's on like crazy emotional hormonal soup anyway. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, tell us about it. You know, and, and the interesting part is always trying to figure out is it normal teenage hormone behavior? Or is it part of the trauma that she's acting out or mm-hmm. making inappropriate decisions you know it's like always trying to figure it out because we've actually been constantly giving her therapy since we found out so she's been nine years non-stop and it's interesting because some people when they see her and they're like she doesn't act like a normal survivor i'm like well thank you i do expect her (laughs) to be very outgoing very outspoken you know because most survivors are not they're very um, reclusive introverts doesn't want to socialize mm-hmm. and here my demon spawn is like miss popularity there so. <laughs> sure I, I think people just underestimate the importance of understanding that therapy does help a lot mm-hmm. absolutely it does and some of it's just education you know learning about how trauma works and how trauma impacts you can give you so much power over what you're dealing with 
you know, and not that any of this is easy. Um, I'm certainly not willing to give an impression that this is lightweight or easily accomplished kinds of things to do. But like one of the core areas that trauma damages us is in our sense of safety, mm-hmm. especially um, when you're talking about developmental trauma or trauma that happens before the age of 18. A lot of survivors lose just a fundamental ability to feel safe. So what does that translate to? Well, think about the things that contribute to your sense of safety and security. For a lot of people, a regular routine can contribute to their overall sense of safety. So then if you're traveling to spend time with the family over the holidays, like what are the nuts and bolts of your routine that you can take with you and implement at your in-laws house relatively (laughs) easily enough that will help you maintain your sense of safety, your sense of continuance. You know, it's, it's, the adult version of a child's security blanket, you know, or hell, maybe you actually need your own adult security blanket. That's cool too. (laughs) But um, paying attention to the things that will help soothe that part of your brain that is constantly scanning for threat and danger um, can really, really help any survivor maintain their emotional equilibrium. Yeah, I think people often forget about that, that it's just, you know, they don't trust as easily, but at the Mm -hmm. same time, it's like you can't just force them to trust you, because I know that's been one of our struggles there, you know, to have her ask for help, to tell us what's going on, and trust that we will always be there, you know, I'm I'm the queen of, like, the minute she says something, I drop everything, and I show up, I'm like, I don't care what it is, if if I get fired from a job, that's not a problem, because I'll find another one, but you come first, because it, it, the emotional outbreak, and the hurt, and the pain is, Ugh, unbearable but you're right it is not easy it sounds easy that we're talking about it but let me tell you i got a lot of purple heart scars dealing with the <laughs> emotional roller coaster of dealing with her stuff it's it's not Absolutely. fun so and especially yeah we we um she's also bipolar depressed so we that was fun dealing with the medication and getting her on the right stuff <laughs> oh yeah that's chemical cocktail experiment city I don't wish that on anybody. <laughs> the one thing I'm, I'm amazed about is there's, there's obviously mental illness is not the same as physical illness. If you have a cold, here's the, you know, the medicines we go through and try. And if you're, mm-hmm. you know, you have your legs broken. Okay. Here's the procedure. You kind of with mental illness to kind of observe it, do a diagnosis and say, let's try this. And mm-hmm. we were later on told that uh, bipolar and it was something else. Depression? It wasn't depression. It wasn't schizophrenia. But in adolescence, the symptoms switch. So originally mm-hmm. they had her on the wrong medication, which didn't turn things down. It kicked them up. And oh, that was a yeah. fun two months. No, that was a month. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, adolescent um, brain chemistry is not the same as adult brain chemistry by any means um and that will affect how prescription drugs and how street drugs impact you neurologically and just uh, research in just the last like 10 or 15 years is really starting to show what those differences are um because prior to the last 20 or 30 years we mostly studied adult brains and assumed that adolescent brains were about the same and 
now that we have better research equipment, it turns out, no, they are actually quite distinct in some very important ways. I think just from looking from behavior, you got to realize something's different about it, about a teenager's brain, because that's the time in their lives where a lot of risky behavior just makes sense. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and in yeah. retrospect, we all have those moments where like, yeah, I was stupid back then. Mm hmm. Well, it's one of those things to do some brain science um, in a hopefully short and tidy fashion is the brain structure that's under construction during adolescence is what Freud would have called the superego, more or less. It's the prefrontal cortex, the part of us that can anticipate consequences, make long-term plans, follow through on promises or goals. All of that kind of mental activity is uh, that part of the brain's under construction in a teenager. So the teenager is much more survival parts of the brain, emotional parts of the brain are online and functioning like an adult's. So that id, that ego is strong, but that neo, that neocortex, that super ego, isn't quite put together yet. And so that's why some days you have a teenager that looks like a pretty responsible adult, and then the next day they're like acting like they're twelve, you know. And it's just it's a question of neurologically where's their prefrontal cortex at that day. Well, re- recently we discovered, and we praised this, uh, a show on Netflix called Big Mouth. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. If, and um, again, it, it, it follows uh, teens, preteens going through puberty. And the one thing they do okay. have in there is literally the, the manifestation of the hormone monster who starts talking <laughs> to them and giving them all these all these nasty thoughts. And they immediately go from being this nice normal you know daughter talking to her mother and the hormone monsters like now yell at her for no reason and start crying <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a pretty great characterization oh yeah it, it, it is so hysterical but then they show the older guy's hormone monster and it just looked like you know, it was it the golem from uh lords of the rings well they were trying rings. to show the difference oh. of someone getting in their 60s and 70s d- doesn't have that and the voice is a lot quieter while at 13, that voice is like, you're doing this now. You're going we to get up. <laughs> it's explosion time. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Yeah, he's hitting on your girl. He's going to take your girl. Oh, go, 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 go. It's like, yeah. But now we originally watched it and we're thinking, oh, this is great for kids. And it kind of got a little explicit. But we're like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. A, new parents need to see this. Just to remember what it was like to have that voice in your head to go ahead and oh, say, yeah. now it's time to do something really stupid and have no idea or at least no consideration at the moment of those consequences. Because Right. And that's that's where parents have to step in. But with teenagers, it's wicked hard because they're very much thinking about themselves in terms of adults. And in many ways, they very much are adults. And yet, on the days that the prefrontal cortex isn't operating... You, as the parent with the ap- fully operational cortex, has to step in and do it. Yeah, you know, and that how you do it varies a great deal from child to child and parent-child relationship to relationship. Um, but that is still the parental role with the teenager, is as being the one who just like, no, I don't think that this is an acceptable risk for you to take. You cannot have the car keys. <laughs> like, we are the emergency brake. As yep. best we can. 
That's a very good way to put it. Now, how do you see that different between like the adolescent's trauma brain with the adult trauma brain living in the same household? That's a lively household. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that makes a traumatized brain distinct is it's super hyper vigilant to any kind of threat or alert. And so it's, you're typically talking about two individuals who are going to be a lot more anxiety prone. So one thing I would probably consider in a situation like that is how does this family handle fear? Is fear something that is allowed to be spoken of and explored? Is, is space made for people to talk about anxieties? Um, because if you're a trauma survivor and no one around you is good at talking about the things they're afraid of or feeling nervous or feeling anxious about something, you really feel like it's just you. And that increases the risk that you'll, like we were talking about earlier, smile and put on a happy face, even though you're quaking inside. And with teenagers in particular, fear will often show up as anger. (laughs) Um, And so sometimes if your teenager, especially a traumatized teenager is coming at you with all kinds of anger, there's a decent chance that what's actually going on is fear. And if you can get them to start using their words and talking about their feelings, you can often get that fear to come forward. And once that fear is addressed, the anger subsides. And that's true for adults, too. (laughs) Yeah. Is there a certain, like, conversation starters to start drilling the fear out? Hmm. Um, It's, I think, really, it works best if you lead by example, you know, so that if you are... Um, aware in the moment that you're feeling anxious about something, being willing to risk as a parent, saying to your teenager, like, hey, I just realized I'm feeling anxious about, you know, grandma's guest room arrangements being satisfactory, you know, how she can get, you know, and you don't need to go into it like you would with your adult girlfriend, like you're not trying to recruit the teenager for emotional support. But you are being transparent about and naming your own emotional experience and possibly even say, like, yeah, I think I'm anxious because, like, I've got this, like, churning in my stomach and my shoulders are feeling tight. And I just, like, I notice I can't really focus all that well, you know, by verbalizing what's going on in your private internal world emotionally, you can help your kid recognize when that's happening with them and know what language to use. Because if we're not taught how to talk about and think about and interact with our emotions by our parents, that's a skill set we don't have. You know, it's not like like we're we're born with the wiring to learn how to walk eventually. You know, it takes us a year and a half, but we know how to walk on an innate level. Like you'll figure it out even if no one shows you how. Emotional skills are things we have to be completely taught. We don't have any innate wiring that's like, oh, by the way, this is what anger looks like. You should start taking some deep breaths now. Like, that's all externally taught skills. Those are all coping skills that really, yeah, for the most part, aren't taught if you don't learn them from your parents. No, you do not, and this is why I have job security. (laughs) I was reading one of your older uh, uh, blog posts on therapeutic humor. Uh, yes. And I, no, it, it 
it's honestly one of those things that I, I do. Uh, humor tends to lower people's defenses, make them feel uh, more comfortable. It gets rid of fear. Um, mm. That is probably the one thing that when I came into the picture when she was 10 years old, I am a stepdad. Um, okay. We always laughed. We always had jokes, and I just never pushed myself. I never even asked her to call me dad or father. I said, my name's John. And we went with that. And it took probably about a A year, year, a little over a year. And all of a sudden, one day she just turned around and said, I'll never forget it. You're my daddy. The other guy's an asshole. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, wow. Wow. That was left field, but I'm good with it. And, uh, (laughs) you know, ever since then, we have, we have a very joking relationship. Oh, yes. Um, doesn't mean I can't discipline her. It doesn't mean I don't have to sit down on the couch and try to get her to learn history. It just means, for the <laughs> most part, uh, uh, we go to each other and we do make each other laugh quite a bit. And that has definitely helped. Excellent. Yeah. Humor is a great strength. I mean, a good genuine belly laugh can really reduce your stress levels <laughs> pretty remarkably. There's tons of research demonstrating it. And so if you've got built-in family members who know how to make each other laugh. That is a blessing. It is a great way to disarm a situation, if you can use it that way. It is, but that's also where you want to be careful that to be aware of how emotionally activated you are. Because if you're too emotionally activated, that's when the humor comes out stabby (laughs) instead of funny. Oh, yeah, the sarcastic humor that's always Mm -hmm. could be taken the wrong way, you know, Especially in my household, um, growing up, you know, we had plenty of the sarcastic humor that sometimes it translated bad in situations that really didn't yeah. diffuse. It, it just um, heightened the thing more. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. so, yeah. And trying to teach the little one to like, okay, this is when it's appropriate. This is when it's not. But when you have a right. grandfather yeah. who's still doing it, I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's hard to learn when humor crosses the line into something that's not actually kind or funny. And when you're talking about someone who's been traumatized, sometimes good natured teasing can really land wrong if it hits too close to home. Because again, you know, we're talking about a mind that is hypersensitive to any sense of threat or conflict. They're going to hit a, tea, a light well-meaning tease remark might hit them like an insult. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not to say don't, don't crack jokes around someone who's been traumatized. Good God. Their lives are bleak enough. <laughs> but It does mean sometimes you have to be a little extra careful. And if they get offended, simply own it and apologize. You know, well-meaning people can still say things badly <laughs> in someone else's eyes. Yeah, definitely. Stick to the old school cartoons that don't offend that many people. <laughs> right. Because even the new ones, I, I, I'm just like, they said what and do what? I mean, Bob's Burgers, a prime example of everything po- political, feminist, and mm-hmm. controversial. And I'm like, I, I don't know how I can watch this show and not feel disgusted some days. Because I'm like, what? They just said that? I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah. Cringe. <sighs> Yeah, and depending on the political persuasion at a given family gathering, yeah. 
Oh, that no. Stay away from politics. When it comes to family <laughs> gatherings, just stay away from it. No, it's politics, religion, and sports. Don't talk about that. Well, especially, well, especially when you have like opposing teams there. Look, look at that commercial <laughs> for the NFL with the Raiders light up sweater and everyone else is what wearing. A, I think it was Redskins. Reds or Chiefs? No. I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, mm-hmm. it's like okay. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I was actually at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and one of the presenters talked about how they could not, would not, absolutely could not even consider having any partner that was a fan of certain teams that are rivals to her beloved Dallas Cowboys. Oh my oh god, my. that's too much. And, 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 she, and, and someone was like, can you be friends with someone? And she's like, oh yeah, friendship is fine. But if you're my partner, if we're potentially like future nesting partners, and you are rooting for the other team... No, this is just going to end bad. We're not even going to start. <laughs> you know, and I was like, well, she knows herself real well. That that sounds like a well-thought-out boundary. Oh, yeah, boundaries. What would you suggest during the, the season about boundaries? Oh, man, boundaries are so important, especially with family and seasonal expectations. Um, first and foremost, no is a complete sentence. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, some. I know it's family and sometimes you just don't want to ruffle feathers, but at the end of the day, no is a full and complete sentence all by its very own beautiful self. So, you know, that's at the more extreme end of the spectrum. Another strategy for boundary enforcement that I love to use that's slightly less harsh is called the broken record. And Basically, you figure out a very pat response to whatever the concern is that someone keeps bringing up to you, and you repeat pretty much the exact same thing over and over and over until they give up. So this is particularly useful if you've got an alternative sexuality or relationship style, and Aunt Patty just keeps coming at you with the questions, right? So she's not necessarily going off on you. It's not becoming a scene, but it's just like, she keeps asking questions that are just too personal. Aunt Patty, I'm not willing to discuss that. Aunt Patty, I've told you, I'm not willing to discuss that. And eventually they That's get a question I'm not answer. comfortable answering, Aunt Patty. I'm not willing to discuss that. You know, and if you just stick with the basically the same pat phrase over and over, eventually even the nosiest relative is going to give up. <laughs> And how can they really escalate if you're simply saying, I'm not willing to do that? Like, there's no, there's nothing for them to latch on to to try and start a fight about. Like, you're, you're just giving them a blank slate. <laughs> like, just no, no, I'm not willing to do that. One of the, the popular phrases I know in my household was the, but I don't understand. Mm-hmm. And eventually it's broken down to, uh-huh. You've made a statement. It's not a question. I don't have the obligation mm-hmm. or inclination to educate you. <laughs> right. But they keep trying. It's still a broken yes. record because we've been together for almost eight years. And every time I hear it, I look at them. I'm like, really? Why are you asking this? It's like, no. Mm-hmm. And it comes from both families. It's oh, just right. kind of those. Yeah. And you can't really, you know, if there is a point where you do get mad mad about it. There's just some other points where you're just like, they've been cultured 
or, or, or conditioned, whatever you want to call the phrase, that this is how their Christmases went. And this is right. how they act, and change is not something they're, they're inclined to or maybe even haven't even considered doing. Absolutely. And that's why part of where, too, I think, you know, pick your battles, you know. Ooh, very you aren't You aren't obligated to do every family event that's on the calendar just because. Like, no way, absolutely not. Not obligated to anyone for anything. So if you want to do all seven jolly holiday things on mom's itinerary because you just adore them all, have a blast. But if, like, three quarters of them, you could really take it or leave it, do the two or three that you genuinely will enjoy doing for your own sake and give your regrets for the rest of it. You know, and... In healthy family relationships, people don't give people guilt trips <laughs> over personal decisions like, no, I, I can't make it to that handbell concert. I would love to. I can't make it. <laughs> oh, yes. Tis the season for guilt trips 101 everywhere from family to partners to, oh, God, even work. It's like, how do you mm-hmm. deal with that? That's where bound, knowing your limits is really important. Um, I like to tell clients often, give from your abundance. Don't give from what you need for yourself. You know, love may be infinite. Time and energy are not. You know, and if you've got some extra time and you're willing to do it, do it. If you don't, you don't. And stressing yourself out to acquiesce to someone else's want or demand is only going to lead to resentment it's not going to actually fulfill anybody you know i don't know about you but i'm a heck of a lot more fun to be around when i'm rested Uh and at my ease you know so yes i could contort myself to make that christmas miracle happen and maybe i decide for my own sake i want to do that you know it's okay to be a hero but be your own hero don't martyr yourself on the Christmas tradition funeral pyre. Like, not a good plan. Will not actually help help out anyone having a good holiday. A lot, a lot of what you said, I feel like should be on a t-shirt about having, <laughs> you know, lo- love, is, love is infinite, my time is not. I feel like I should have <laughs> right. a sign on my cubicle for that. <laughs> it's really true. You know, you just, we all have all the goodwill in the world, and we all have 24 hours in a day. And, you know, comp- like we were saying earlier, compromising sleep, short-term, maybe, long-term, bad strategy. Yeah, I think people often forget it. It's okay to be selfish. Don't give away your energy, your time, just because it's mm-hmm. holidays and it's quote-unquote mandated. you got to go do this. You have to participate in that. You have to do all these social obligations because it's it's the holiday season. That's what it's all about. For you, maybe. <laughs> yeah, this is where I feel like Grinch. I'm like, no. It's like I, I like to be huddled underneath a blanket and just hiding from the craziness because I do know my boundaries and I don't want to deal with uh, the politics of talking of what's going on in the current situation. My advice for people lately uh, as far as time management has been go Amazon. They deliver to your house. Just you can <laughs> shop and order. And I've done 
late probably this month quite a bit of amazon shopping for for gifts and just stuff i need because it does free up your time and absolutely especially today angelique did the uh questionable thing of going to the mall on black friday oh yeah that was questionable and it was one hour in the mall and three hours in the parking lot trying to get out of the parking lot and <laughs> that sounds like black friday yep yep and and, and some so, some holidays you know some weekends are still like that and mm-hmm. that our time is limited that's such a great point Yes, but it was doing it for the child, for the experience of Black Friday. And the sad part was that we could do the same exact shopping that we did online. I said we could have bought everything. Ah, so there was a a lesson in that experience. Oh, man. So then it was worth it. That That I can say. But when it's just going out and coming back and going, damn, I could have ordered it online. That what know. was I doing? Yeah, and, and just uh, absolutely. Trying, and trying to educate the child. It's like if we can't get out, what makes you think Uber Eats is going oh, to get in? Oh, geez, yeah. Yeah, we were getting hungry and we were stuck in the parking lot. And she's like, "Oh, well, let's call Uber Eats." I kind of looked at her. I'm like, "Are you kidding me? We're trying to get out. There's no way they're going to get in." And, this is, and it's not California, so they don't have drones. But I get the feeling if we had, you know, Black <laughs> Friday drone pizza delivery, that would have been killing. F- oh, totally. Yeah, I just didn't know if anyone in the mall actually delivered. So because I would have called up one of the restaurants. It's like, yes, I'm over by the Dillard's (laughs) on the west side in an SUV. Right. They deliver to the Silva Honda. Yep. Yeah, and that's one thing that I always remind clients when there's there's a lot of stress for whatever reason, whether it's the holiday season or there's a wedding or surgery or job change, whatever external stress is going on, that is the time to press the easy button. That is not the time to take on an extra project, an extra effort, a new habit. Like, no, wait until the fire dies down a little bit first. Um, Because so often, you know, we don't realize that we're up to our ass and alligators until one of them bites down. (laughs) And then you suddenly realize how overwhelmed you actually are. Because it just slowly accumulates, and the next thing you know, your plate's overloaded, or at least that's how it works for me. And so it's, you know, when things are already stressful enough from outside circumstances, do not take on extra stress. Just, just don't. You're, you're already doing enough, I promise. Oh, my God, yeah, I know. It's like we always feel like we're invincible. We could do this. We, we are super people. I'm like, no. No, we're not. Not during the holidays. Because mm-hmm. even as nope. much as you try to be nice to people, so many are just grumpy, you know, people and bleep, bleep, bleep that you're just like, I just want to peck, you know, and punch you. It's like, right. we're, we're here in Orlando, Florida. Land of Disney World, Harry Potter Universal, SeaWorld. Listen, people, it is the busiest time of the year. It is oh packed. Magic Kingdom closes at maximum capacity 110,000 people per day. And if you're not in the park by 9 a.m., I'm sorry. Sucks to be you, but you can't go in until a couple thousand leave. And that's not going to be until the afternoon. Wow. So please 
Yeah, please don't yell and scream at the hospitality workers who are working on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, so you could come and enjoy the theme park. Right. Yeah, those are just simple things. It's like, I understand this is your vacation, but be prepared. Mm Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, yeah, our hour is up. It's been fantastic talking with you, Kathy. Thank you. I've enjoyed it, too. Yes. How can our listeners find you or if they want to schedule an appointment? Because you do do Skype or video conference calls? Yeah, I do Skype Skype appointments, and I also do email appointments, um, where basically it's a prorated charge for however long it takes me to read and respond to your email, um, which works for a lot of my clients who have bizarre work hours or different time zones. So the first place to look for me is my website, um, which is Soaring Heart counseling.com soaring heart singular counseling and then my twitter is at soaring indie Um, although I warn you follow that at your peril because it can be very very quiet and then I'll be at a conference and it's all the twitters for like forever because I tweet my notes but that also means you get direct access to really great content from Esther Perel because I'm sitting in her keynote (laughs) so Yeah, so that's my Twitter handle. Um, and then email is the best way to, to reach me if you want to talk to me directly. And that's Kathy with a K at SoaringHeartCounseling.com. Well, thank you very much. And you can always find me everywhere on Living a Sex Positive Life on social media, the website. Please, please, I beg you. I know it's the holidays. Best Christmas present ever. If you could subscribe and write a review of our podcast, that way people could share the information, listen to this, save themselves from holiday madness, all the crazy stuff there. Also, please help support our work by shopping with our sponsors on our webpage. So just go to livingasexpositivelife.com under the sponsors page. So anything you purchase from them, we do get a little uh, affiliate fee and things to help produce this. So... uh, and I just realized, isn't this our last broadcast of the year? Yes, it is our last broadcast of 2017. It's been a crazy, phenomenal year. We appreciate your enjoying the ride with us. So we started in January. We're now December 20th. We've done 57 episodes, and I'm thinking I'm counting six conventions, and I lost wow. track of the number of guests. And it, it has been a blast, but we're working on new stuff for the new year. And hopefully going to be pulling that stuff out. What about the... First, second week of January? Uh, probably, we'll go with second. Give us, some, give us a little bit of a break. Yeah, definitely a break there. <laughs> yeah, because uh, we're already going to start up the new year with uh, Playground Toronto. In we'll February. Be, in February. And then Leather Leadership Conference in March. And we are confirmed also at Poly Dallas in July. So you could click on those. Uh, I will be putting up these conferences on the website so that way you could come join us and party with us and be interviewed and tell us your story. And then after that, we still have the normal, uh, was it Fire and Florida Power Exchange, those coming up. So it's going to be a fun year. But if you (laughs) want to reach me, uh, I'm John C. Luna on Facebook and Twitter and FetLife and everywhere else. So drop me an email, send me your comments. I want to hear if you like the show uh, or don't like the show even. Tell us what we're doing uh, right or wrong. But it has been a wonderful year. I just want to put that out there. Thank you for all the support. Thank you to all our guests. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Thank you, Kathy. 
for uh, You're uh, tipping it off and giving us a great conversation. Good night, everyone. Thanks. All right, everyone. Good night. Uh,